Welcome to Frontline Med Podcast. Susanne Axelsson here, and I am your host for this podcast, brought to you by Frontline Magic in partnership with Ask Nicely. Ask Nicely is your number one frontline success platform with everything your frontline teams need to delight every customer every time. If you want to get the latest insights from the Frontline Magic community, make sure to sign up for our latest newsletter at frontlinemagic.org. In this episode, we are talking to Tom DeVette, who is the founder and director of the Michigan University New Master Program in Customer Experience. This master program from Michigan University is the first of its kind in the U.S. that is purely focusing on customer experience. So in this episode, we uncover a little bit about the program, but we're also talking about future trends in customer experience and what the future of customer experience might look like. Tom, I'm really pleased to have you here. So can you please uh, give us a little bit of your background and yeah, what took you into the CX space? Sure. Well, how much time do we have? (laughs) Yeah, I'm the founder and director of CXM at MSU, an entity designed to advance the field of customer experience management. But my journey goes all the way back to when I was 14 years old and I had My first job where I engaged with the public working in a restaurant. So I was a busboy dishwasher. Within a month or so, they elevated me to grill cook and the grill faced the customer. And I learned down in there that I could make an impact. I could make people happy. And that was the beginning of my journey. And I had a long career in the hospitality industry. And at some point, I wanted to get some intellectual stimulation, so I did my MBA. And during my MBA, I learned about service quality. I wanted to understand the dynamic between customers and employees. And that kind of became my life's work. And I formalized it with a PhD in services marketing. I spent time at at a university in Ohio and then Hawaii. I'll be honest, I had never heard of the term CX. It was only when I started doing research and I go, wow, there's this whole field and people do this all the time. And that's where it it started. And, you know, where we are today, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the master's degree, it was understanding this huge global community in the millions. If you do a search on LinkedIn, like I do, and you put in people and you put in customer experience, it's over in I think last time I checked, 19 million people. The master's degree is a reflection of that as well. It's there to meet a need. Yeah, so, so that's my so story, that's, simple. That's um, an amazing story. You've pretty much been in the CX space your whole life and really yeah. started at the front line. And now you um, are about to launch the master, the first master program in customer experience in America. So this is obviously yeah. founded on some kind of need and a gap in the market so what I hope um, so. Yeah, yeah what's yeah. your take on this master program yeah. what's your well, pitch well you're gonna find i'm a very practical person i look around i do some research and i go wow there's a need here when i and one of the first things i did was created a conference i'd done that before and i was doing a lot of networking on linkedin And as you well know, when you start looking at people and you scroll down to their job history and their educational background to see how they got in the role they did, sometimes those paths are very uneven and surprising, shocking sometimes. They go from one role and then next thing you know, they're head of CX. 
And it was then, you know, I followed that with a Google search looking for degree programs. And there were a couple in Spain, but in the U.S., nothing at the undergraduate level, nothing at the graduate level yet. You have 19 million people globally. And talking to those people, the term fragmented kept coming up. CX is fragmented. And I said, what do you mean? And what I learned, it was fragmented both in terms of people's skill sets within an organization or even in an individual. So if you're the head of CX and you've come from a supply chain background, what do you suppose the priorities are? It's more on efficiency, right? If you come from an advertising background, a lot of the advertising people, they're guilt-ridden about having made promises in advertising that aren't founded on customer expectations or aren't founded on what the company can deliver. So everybody's got a different reason. So it's that fragmentation and having very few people globally, quite frankly, that have a comprehensive skill set. And then talking to heads of CX and organizations to understand what they do and then to find CX is only the call center or it's only insights. It's not part, it's not integrated into their business model. It's not how they treat their customers. It's how they're responding. The call center is where you go when you got a problem. Otherwise you never go there. If you're doing a good job in CX or managing the customer experience, literally managing it, then you don't need a call center, do you? So it was though, that's the reason why we created the degree. It was, there's a real need out there. CX alone fails. Close to 90% of organizations globally want to make customer experience an imperative, but fewer than 25% of organizations that try to implement CX actually succeed. And that's because oftentimes they, they don't understand that it's a managed process that involves, and it's multidisciplinary, right? It involves a lot of moving parts throughout the organization. And if you're going to be effective as a leader in in customer experience management, you need to understand all those. So this degree, literally courses are taken in sequence that build on one another, starting with the first course, creating the customer-centric organization. What does that mean? And how is customer experience management um, an extension of that? So one of the problems that you've got in CX, a lot of people try to retrofit CX on an existing organizational structure and mission and vision, and it's just bound to fail. From your point of view, what would you say is the perfect term to describe customer experience? Because there are so many different ways. There is no perfect term. I find the terms, if you Google the definition, it's just way too simplistic. I used to think customer experience management is delivering on customer expectations at at every touch point. That's a very simplistic definition. But lately I've been looking at brand authenticity and brand alignment and what are a lot of emotions in there on the side of the customer. How credible is your brand? How authentic are you? How responsive? How genuine? So how can we say it's simply delivering on customer expectations? Although Customer expectations might be reflected in those, right? To me, I think what's happened, the industry for so long has been very oversimplistic. It's been about journey mapping and it's been about um, EX equals CX without a lot of detail what that means. It's also about 
what it means to be a customer-centric organization. You're, you can't have an effective customer experience unless that's a genuine reflection of who and what you are as an organization. And it's delivered by people whose values are consistent with that. Employee engagement, again, it's oversimplified. It's multidimensional. My response to that question is, it's been the definition for too long has been oversimplified. There's often too much of just a focus on the customer without also understanding the difference between employee experience and engagement and, and their roles. And that's all part of that brand alignment. How do you, in fact, to me, brand alignment is a perfect definition for EX, employee, pardon me, first customer experience management because it helps to position it. You yeah. Know? Who are you as an organization? What are your values? What is your value proposition? How do you communicate that both externally and internally? And then how do you deliver? And, and that's where the customer experience comes in. And that's going to evolve over time in terms of touch points and how we do it. The involvement of AI, both in terms of service delivery and understanding the customer, or even understanding the employee. That's the other thing that really grinds me in working with organizations. And that's the other part of brand alignment. How well are your employees, whether they're directly or indirectly serving the customer, how well are they aligned with that value proposition? And how well are they in a position to deliver on it? What do you think is the main reason for many uh, customer experience initiatives falling and not you know, being successful? Well, Do you think term- it sits within the employee experience and the link between the customer experience or what's your take on it? The, the term alignment comes to mind and people use that and adopt a lot of different ways. I just talked about brand alignment and I think that's part of it too. If you don't, if you don't understand the reason for customer experience management, if you don't understand how it helps your organization to deliver on its brand promise, and God forbid you don't even know what your brand promise is, then it's bound to fail. And all that too is a reflection of a lack of alignment at the leadership level. If you look at the C-suite, you might have a CEO that's gung-ho for it, but if the vice presidents or directors don't understand its purpose and how, how it includes them and what their roles in effective customer experience management if they're very transactional driven or just revenue driven, it's about quarterly results. Maybe it's hard to make that case, but it's also alignment at the employee level. How, how many employees out there, if you ask them the question, do you understand your role in delivering on customer needs? Do you understand the, do you understand this organization's values and how they're reflected in the work you do every day? And you probably don't, you're probably not going to get a lot of feedback on that. And I also see this alignment across the organization when you've got silo effects. And, you know, I've worked with organizations where heads of departments have said, told employees, you're not allowed to talk to the employees in that department unless you get my approval. So you've got, when I think of alignment, I think of it up and down and side to side. And I think about it as a very personal level at the employee level. And to me, that's where engagement comes in. Like I keep thinking about if I were to show you the mission statement 
as an individual, do you understand your role in delivering on that mission? And that's a leadership failure. That's where that person you report to, that's their job to make sure they're communicating that and reinforcing that on a regular basis. So to me, alignment and many different forms is where organizations fail. I think what's going on in the world right now, like CRM 20 years ago, everybody's talking about it. You can't go in LinkedIn and not all these experts, all these self-proclaimed experts in CX, and everybody says, oh, we got to do CX. Everybody's doing it. How do you set up an effective governance structure that supports the customer experience? That's a good question. There's a lot of different ideas out there about, about governance, and I think they're all very well-intentioned. They're designed to break down silos. They're designed to get people from across the organization involved. I think usually there's a core group or a core governance team or a steering committee that has representatives from those areas. And I think that's all well and good for strategic decision-making, but when it comes to the day-to-day things that need to get done, while also addressing the need to facilitate communication across functional areas in the organization, I I think the best form of governance involves action teams that are focused on core CX competencies that doesn't continue to reinforce that, oh no, consumer insights got to come out of this department or employee, anything related to employees got to come out of HR. So I know one model that I've worked with on some of my clients is putting together action teams that reflect core CX competencies, not just around the customer but also the employee, internal communications team that not only communicates about CX initiatives, but also communicates how employees are delivering on customer values, how employees are delivering um, exceptional service. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having an employee recognition and rewards team that can work with voice of the customer and voice of the employee teams to identify how employees are doing things right can, you know, facilitate the voice of the employee team, not just um, to monitor engagement and satisfaction, but also to serve as a vehicle to get employee input on suggestions and also employees catching other employees doing it right or for lack of a better The positive reinforcement. Here's stories of how your peers are, are, delivering exceptional service are delivering on our values be very specific about that and then share that with the employee recognition and rewards team okay how do we you know reward that in a meaningful way and internal communications and have people from across the organization in leadership roles on those teams as well as cx champions to me some people say governance cx champions are people they're just there to gather data. Why that role? Why not let open it up to one of the organizations I work with, they had over 20% of their employees volunteer to be a part of these action teams. So why not open it up for one or two hours a month, you can focus on, on, on some of these tasks on a specific team. So now that's my idea. But I think the key thing is, you want people you don't some people recommend recommend draw on the existing organizational structure and have those people be a part of a broader representatives from HR, from from insights, from 
product design, have them part of a steering committee or a committee to work on projects. I just wonder how efficient that process is and how productive and how much it, how well does it re- recognize some of the things that I've brought up it is yeah. about voice of the customer, but it's also voice of the employee. And it is about journey design and journey updates and personas and having different journey teams, but it is also about the voice of the employee and and internal communication. So you could go on and on. But to me, part of that too is on those teams you have, while while you want to have someone from Consumer Insights on the voice of the customer team, you want to have people from other parts of the organization that maybe you need to shed some light on why the voice of the customer is so important and let them let their talents be used there on a voluntary basis. And I guess it comes back to what is the overriding objective of having a governance structure? Is yeah. it, I think first and foremost is making the customer experience part of their business model, part of their part of a business's strategy, how they develop organizational you know, business strategy. But I think it's also part of it is to address the present weaknesses. The silo effects are real. I haven't talked to a single organization that doesn't have problems yeah. with. How how do you break those silos and how do you uh, actually build an organization where there is, it's embedded in the habits and the culture of the business to have that customer centric approach? It depends on the vision and the mission of the, the, the organization and how customer centric that is. It depends on the, the values and how customer centric those values are values Values are represent our belief system, both as an, on an individual level and on a corporate level. And it should be reflected in its leaders and the employees who work there. And I know that sounds simplistic. It's not. I know it's complicated, particularly organizations that, that aren't there. But if you're, if you're continuously just revenue-driven and sales-driven and cost-driven, and that's, your, that's how you measure success, it's going to be very difficult for you to achieve any goals with customer experience management. So I think that's the other thing to say, okay, given our, our vision, mission, and values, and the fact that we need to be profitable in order to deliver on that, not making profit the primary goal, but meeting those goals, how do we measure success? And there's a range of measures from customer lifetime value to NPS to overall satisfaction, customer effort score. I call it the measurement pyramid. There's going to be things on the top that measure overall organization success that people can look to. But then you need to have measures that at the department and process level that that indicate success that drives that. That so you can hold people accountable. And I think that helps to break that down. And then you begin to ask, okay, how do we do this? So if I work and say, if I order fulfillment and I'm, then it becomes on, okay, the order's been placed or whether I'm part of that order process, ease of placing the order, making decisions, then it's on, it's going to be on how quickly can we turn this around and get it to the customer? How transparent is that process? And then how does that result in customer satisfaction? And then how does that satisfaction relate to NPS? So if that's your 
thing there. You can own it and you understand that there's other pieces to this puzzle that are owned by other parts of the organization. Then I think you can see the need for saying we need to somehow be able to tie this all together. And that's where a governance structure could fit. And having looking at illustration of the journey and understanding we're just part of this. There's a lot of other pieces to, to this. We're part of it, but it's all of us benefit if this works really well. If we're if we know the average lifetime of a customer is 15 years and the average value is whatever, and, and we all share in that and we contribute to it, and there's that shared understanding. So I think where a lot of the problems are is how are people being rewarded in the organization? Is it yeah. meeting sales? And it's about accountability, right? So even if we look at that order fulfillment process, let's now factor in the role. If we look at Amazon, I don't know, I don't know which side of the fence to go on here, but I do know that employees are an important part of this. So that to me, that's the other thing. It's not just about how quickly we turn it around, but it's understanding the role of employee engagement in that process and understanding as employee engagement goes up, wow, look at it. Our fulfillment numbers go up and it's all aligned. So I think the customer experience can only be as good as the experience of your frontline teams who actually is highly responsible for for delivering it, the service. When you look at companies doing this well, do you have some great examples to share on businesses that knows the way to recognize achievements? Yeah, rather than point to companies, I think it's just thinking about more broadly about best practices, because I think how you recognize employees is often a function of your organizational culture. It's a function of the the people who work there. I think the key thing to remember when it comes to recognizing employees is understanding on an individual level what those people value and how they want to be recognized. If you talk to salespeople, we can't just assume they're all driven by monetary goals and reaching targets. That's not always the case, but some are. And one of the best things you can do is make sure employee, employees understand what their role is in delivering on customer needs and how ultimately what they're doing impacts the customer. What we do know is that People want to work for customer-centric organizations. They they want to feel like what they do matters. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. So if you want to recognize people, help them to understand that. Help them to understand how what they're doing is having that broader impact. For most people, it's the simplest thing. We get out of bed every morning because we feel that what we're doing has a helps to address a greater need and a greater purpose. So I think the best thing you can do is to have effective leadership skills where you have leaders that help to remind employees about what it, what is the mission of organization? Why are we there? What are we trying to accomplish? What is their role in that? And it's often the simplest little thing, just thanking them, you know, just yeah. recognize, you know, you've been putting a lot of effort in here. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and who you're helping. I think peer recognition is another thing. As a leader, encourage, facilitate ways where peers can recognize one another for the work they do. Whenever I use the restrooms at a Trader Joe's, you're on the way to the employee lounge and there they've got a board and they've given their employees a board and a set of blank notes 
where people can write the name of the person and why you appreciate them. And I think it's those kind of things, whether it's a handwritten note, but more importantly, face-to-face, hey, I know we've been busy, but I want you, I just want you to know. Yeah. Um, Catching people doing it right. Everything we've talked about today, that's the thing. It's not brain surgery. It's about human behavior. It's about human attitudes. And, Human you know, interactions overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I mean, what it vision, is. Yeah. Vision and values is just about creating a belief system in a group of yeah. people and helping them to figure out what's important. But if Amazing. your metrics are consistent with that, if you're rewarding people based on sales and transactions, and you're you know, and you're not, you don't give a damn about lifetime value of the customer, or if it's all about closing sales and moving on to the next, and and not about what happens. It's disturbing that despite the fact for decades now, we've been talking about it costs five to 10 times more to get a new customer than it does um, to get to keep it. to keep the ones you have that people yeah. haven't made that part of their strategy. And even more disturbing, particularly in today's job market, when I talk to companies about their employees, they've failed to acknowledge that applies to their employees too. I'll be honest with you. My expectation with a master's degree was that companies would recognize its value in developing their employees and helping employees to understand they're investing in them. And so far that hasn't come to fruition. People are too busy trying to make money and they're trying to fill the holes of the people that are leaving their organization because they're finding someplace better. And instead of investing in their own people, there's a couple of people in my, in my life that believed in me and made me feel that I could accomplish things. And I give them all the credit. But once you get that, once you believe in yourself and what you can do, anything's possible. I think everybody can make a difference in the world. Everyone um, can make the world a little bit nicer every day. Yeah. What is that? Degrees of whatever if you if you look to your right you look to your left in front of you there are people there and there are people there that need you there's people there that can help you that you can impact so just do it if you can dream it you can do it thank you for listening to another episode of frontline magic podcast with your host susan exeson Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at susan at frontlinemedic.org with any feedback or thoughts that you would like to share on this episode. This podcast is brought to you by Ask Nicely. Ask Nicely is your number one frontline success platform with everything your frontline teams need to delight every customer every time. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a five-star rating. Frontline Magic provides you with the tools, insights, and inspirational stories you need to deliver an awesome customer experience. Sign up for free and learn more at frontlinemagic.org. And thanks for making Frontline work awesome.